Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at it again of the Replant Bootcamp post-SBC and, and Bob, there's a lot of things we could talk about in the SBC, but I, I have to bring up something completely random. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. I'm a little concerned about what it might be, but here we go. Let's do it. We, have, we may need to consider no longer giving negative reviews of places on our podcast, because at one point we gave maybe some negative reviews of what's cooking, and then what's cooking got shut down. By the health department, right? Okay. Then we came on here and I shared a story about going to Adventure Landing on Blanding Avenue with my son for his birthday. And all of a sudden, I get an article today that they are going, they have gone bankrupt and they are shutting down this Sunday. It will be the last Sunday of Adventure Landing on Blanding Avenue. So while our podcast is not that huge, I'm feeling like maybe we've got more reach and impact than we ever considered, Bob. <laughs> Jimbo, you might be right. So um, when I was flying to Nashville, uh, Barb and I, it was going to be tight. We had to leave at a particular time. We were going to grab dinner at the St. Louis airport. And like all airports, COVID has really shuttered m- many of the restaurants. And so there was one that was open and uh, we roll in there and the kitchen is closed. You can you can drink alcohol, but we can't do that, Jimbo, because we work for NAM and like it's against the, the you know, I forget wes- which resolution it is, but some resolution back in eternity <laughs> says we can't do it. And, you know, <laughs> we can debate all that anyway. So we rather than buy a, a, a prepackaged salad or sandwich, we roll into another place and, and grab lunch. And so because I'm a Yelp elite, Jimbo, as you know, I simply fired out a, a Hey, I wish the restaurant would have noted that they were they, there was no food, blah, blah, blah. Land in Nashville, pop up my phone, and Yelp has notified me that the owner of the restaurant has responded to my critique. And just let me say, Jimbo, he was not happy. He was not happy, and so uh, I had to uh, delete my Yelp review. So I, I'm going to take that caution, and I'm going to take that as a friendly amendment, Jimbo. There we go. There we go. We look. We have some serious, I guess, power here um, at, on, on our recommendations. So we got to be careful. Uh, hey, look, jumping in. One of the things I notice at SBC is um, I am not well versed in parliamentary procedure, and there were moments of the SBC that were difficult to sit through because they felt overly rigorous. Uh, at one point, I, I, I very much appreciated the heart of what the guy was trying to do, but we spent 20 minutes debating whether we could add minutes to the agenda. <laughs> and it, at some point, it felt very self-defeating, right? And, and so for somebody who is not a very detail-oriented, process-oriented mindset, well, that, w- that was mentally rigorous for me. But here's what I would say. There were so many other moments in the SBC that I I really was grateful for parliamentary procedure because I thought, man, this many people, this much maybe contention or division over certain issues, it really provided a healthy framework for 
uh, getting things done, for discussion, for making motions. And you had all sorts of things from very serious, weighty, deep things to the sweet moment where a little girl asked, how do you make VBS? And how much does it cost, right? And and I loved Lifeway's response to her answer and that it gave everybody a voice. Uh, not everybody, we ran out of time at different points. But anyway, here's what it got me thinking. We've shared some stories. We have an episode on here of how not to change the name of your church where I talk about the worst business meeting I ever ran. And it was actually, it was after that business meeting that I decided I should probably read Robert's Rules of Order and just figure out what this stuff is, right? Because I looked back, I thought, man, if I'd have had some structure to this meeting, it would have gone significantly smoother, right? Uh, And so today... Even if you're not SBC, I think this is going to be a beneficial episode. We have a, a very special guest, Bob. I don't know if you noticed him standing right behind you as you were talking a little too long there for a second. <laughs> but but the, the Honorable Dr. Craig Colbreth is, is on with us, uh, who has been uh, memorialized on the Internet as the Baptist bouncer, the guy that makes sure we keep everything in line, one of the parliamentarians for the Southern Baptist Convention, Craig, thank you so much for taking time to be on this episode with us. Well, thanks, Timbo. It's an honor to be here with you guys. And uh, so far, neither one of you have gone over your limit, so I haven't had to tap anybody yet. (laughs) Hey, I just want to say, the first time that I saw Craig uh, was, I think, it was either St. Louis or Dallas. And Craig, I don't know if this is part of your training, but are you supposed to, as an associate parliamentarian or whatever your title is, are you supposed to look like you could kill anybody at any second? Because you were scaring me over the shoulder of the president. <laughs> <laughs> that That's, uh, as J.D. and others have, and Steve Gaines said a few years ago, he's got the look before he ever does the job. So, yes. yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> that's, well, look, but, we brought you on here because, Craig, you are the most trained parliamentarian that I personally know. Okay. Uh, and and so I thought, man, I'd love to hear your input for us. And so the first question I'd have for you is, what is the benefit? So most of our audience on here are replanters and revitalizers of fairly small churches, single staff. And some of them, most of them maybe have not ever had any sort of parliamentary parliamentary uh, training or, or anything like that, and, and maybe even have personalities similar to mine where it feels, it doesn't feel as organic, and so they may not like the idea of using it, but what is the benefit for a smaller church of using parliamentary procedure? Okay, well, first, one of the things we want to avoid is uh, Acts 19.32. Acts 19.32 reads this way. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Okay, so that's what you want to avoid in any church event. And let me just say that um, that the understanding Robert's Rules of Order, um, it, a couple of things is why it's a benefit. Number one it allows for fairness. For example, only one person can talk at a time. Okay, now that seems like common sense, but if you don't have that set ahead of time, people will just, and if you could imagine in the setting you were just talking about where there were 15,000 plus, 
even if a hundred tried to talk at the same time, what confusion and how unfair it might be because it's the one with the loudest voice that talks. So it's, it's a sense of creating fairness is the, the one benefit. Um, one, it's a sense in productivity. Rather than have this meeting about meetings that you get to the end and no decision has been made, um, it, it, it increases your productivity because you only allow to deal with one thing at a time. So rather than, even if they're voting on buying the church van and one guy wants a Ford, one guy wants a Chevy, and then someone starts talking about tires, okay? Well, we got to put good tires, you know? I mean, you could get bogged down in a lot of stuff if you didn't have some sort of sense of order. Uh, you want to avoid um, confusion is the last thing I would say. The benefit is because sometimes people really don't know what they're voting on. And if it's not clearly restated, it's not you know, clarification. Say, so, okay, folks, you're, you we're about to vote to stop debate, which is a very big deal. That's why you have to have two thirds of the people agree. Now we're voting on the motion. That only takes a majority. But both of those efforts in a, in a small church setting will uh, really eliminate confusion and bring clarity. Uh, to why they're there. Man, I love that answer in terms of orderliness and communication and keeping everybody on track. So I think we've all been in the business meeting when we've been dealing with like buying a church van and then all of a sudden we're talking about tires, which is not, I mean, last time I checked, every church van that you buy comes with tires. I don't think that's a, like you get an option, right? To get, to not have right. tires. So um, <laughs> I appreciate that. But um, yes, I, I, real quick, I had I had a I had a, a budget meeting one time where somebody asked something about the church van, and then we had an intern named Dan with a D, and somebody was talking about do we need to get rid of the church van, and then somebody was like, "Don't get rid of Dan, he's great." <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Dan was yeah. there and felt that vote of affirmation. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Craig, one of the, th the struggles I remember, this is my uh, business meeting story. It was one cold, dark November night. It, it was uh, actually December, my second month at the church. The vacuum cleaner quit. There was threat of ice. Only the old people, the oldest of the old, came to our monthly business meeting. And our custodian said, we need to buy a new vacuum cleaner. The company's going to go ahead and loan me one. Can you bring that motion before the people? So we showed up. It was dark. It was about to ice. We didn't have a quorum, right? And so as a small church, that's one of the things we wrestled with is like, okay, well, how do we make decisions? And if we're using Robert's Rules of Orders to make decisions, do we use them for every decision? Do we only use them for important decisions? So how does a, a pastor of a normative-sized church who may not own, uh, have a quorum or may not get all of the people there who would speak positively towards a, a motion or in favor of a particular decision or save intern Dan's job, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Is there a, a, a guide that you could give us? Is that well, I would say, first or? of all, every church needs to do a little research depending on what state they're in. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And I say that because, for example, in the state of Florida, where I live, um, the law says for nonprofits, a quorum, unless it's otherwise stated specifically, okay, in their documents, is who shows up. Hmm. Okay. And so, but what I would say the big picture, Bob, would be if I was pastor in a small church, I would save my voting for big, big items. And I would try to move forward with vacuum cleaners and garbage bags and all those things. And don't make that something that has to be voted on. Sure. Um, you can break it into a smaller group and say, okay, there's a, you call it a church council, call it whatever you want, but to have to have the congregation uh, save the votes for the big things, the budget, the hiring staff, property, you know, big ticket items like a new roof. But because it seems like when, the more we vote, the more we divide people. Mm-hmm. And I just, I would work towards, you know, and, and I, I pastored in three different states, three different sized churches. And I can tell you that it's a challenge no matter what size, unless you start to get people to see that you, you put people in position of leadership, trust us to decide if we need a new vacuum cleaner, trust us if we decide we've got to change the outside lighting of the church. Because then people start to pool their ignorance on a particular topic and, you know, they, it just gets more bogged down. So I I know it's a process. I would tell guys who are listening, listen, you got to start somewhere. You can't just objectively end all business meetings. I'm not suggesting that, but I will say through the pandemic, you'd be surprised how many churches did things without votes. And if they taught us anything is we can survive. So I think pastors are in a position right now to say, listen, you know, in 2020, we didn't hold one business meeting and we survived. So let's, you know, don't, let's don't go back that way. And because they, they've shown that the pastor or the deacons or whoever can make legitimate, sensible, common sense decisions. So, I appreciate that, what you're saying. Yeah. And, and so uh, if I'm hearing you correctly on day-to-day decisions, operational kind of basic decisions, we don't have to do parliamentary procedure to make every, you wouldn't recommend that for every single no. decision, but it does seem to be a great benefit when maybe there's something weighty, uh, something that of great consequence that could create serious uh, division or contention. Because one right. of the things I really like about parliamentary procedure as I learn more about it is it helps make sure that that the largest, loudest, most influential personality can't m- drive everything. Right. Because we've maybe all been in meetings where that one kind of power broker of the organization, just when they speak, everybody just goes, yeah, just whatever whatever that guy said right. is what we're going to do. And then you got people who speak more than once, and some people have never had a chance. So mm-hmm. what parliamentary procedure does is it gives you that say that, hey, you can't talk more than three minutes and you can't talk a second time unless there's absolutely nobody that wants to say anything. And so 
it it does that and it and it can uh, I know it we talk about it bogging thing down but there's a sense in which it does slow things down enough for people to grasp the big items okay folks this is what our budget is doing and we're going to walk through this and we want you to see this so go slowly through the big items and then the smaller items you don't need to have everybody because if you got 20 baptists in the room you got 23 opinions i mean they there's some people that would be on both sides they you know and um so and and what you said too it overcomes the quiet people from losing participation and and parliamentary procedure actually protects members that aren't in the room and that's something if any baptist church will tell you not every member is in the room so it actually is a kind of a protection because it does slow things down a little bit now the harder thing from the big level where we are at the southern baptist convention is that the majority of people in that room their churches don't have business meetings anymore so it was it was really foreign to them um i am also what they call the people's parliamentarian which means i go over to the side and this year i i bet in the previous three years i hadn't talked to six people i the first day i talked to 22 mm-hmm. to answer a question so and and that's fine that's why we do it um but I will say that when you, the bigger the crowd, the bigger the moment, the more there is a need. Now, I realize not everybody who went to a microphone got to speak. Again, you know, there's a certain amount of time. And you mentioned about how we debated. We burned seven and a half minutes of our 20 minutes trying to extend it for 10 minutes. And it failed. And yeah, and those seven minutes felt like dog years. It felt like 49 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me. Uh, we have a clock running up there, several of them, and it seemed even longer for me. Oh, so God. I get it. I get it. That we have this huge clock that yeah. is counting every second. So, yeah. I, I think you know, one, of the, one of the great things, too, is like Jimbo and I and Barb and his wife, Audrea, and Kyle Bierman, uh, and Matt Hensley, we were all at microphone three when uh, I think all this was going down. And so uh, for a good part of the video broadcast, you could see a good portion of the replant team watching this all go down, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> so okay. one of the one of the reasons that that didn't go through was not that it didn't have good sentiment, right? The idea behind extending time. There was good sentiment that I think really most of the people in the room would agree with. But the reason it wasn't successful is it wasn't written accurately enough, right? And that seemed to be the issue. So that that brings me to a question of there's such precision to parliamentary procedure that for a past single staff pastor of a smaller church, while they may understand the benefit of being able to lead a meeting this way at their church, especially on big ideas or with big personalities, big consequences, those things, they may hear this or experience some things and go, man, it would be helpful if we had some good structure to this. But the precision of it all can be a little bit overwhelming. And so, Craig, what would you say to the pastor that goes, man, I don't understand anything about how this works, but I see that we need to do it. All right. I, I, you, I'm going to say... Yes. 
three words, and then I'm going to explain each one. First of all, I would read. Second of all, I would write. And thirdly, I would practice. So here's the first one. I would read. There's two good books to read. And I'm not, I'm not going to suggest the 767 page of Roberts, okay? Uh, these are both on Amazon. Uh, Roberts Rules for Dummies is an easy uh, read. It's got visuals. It's just, even if you only read the first chapter, you're way down the road. The second one is is called Parliamentary Guide for Church Leaders. Parliamentary Guide for Church Leaders. It's actually written by Barry McCarty, um, our um, lead parliamentarian. And that is written just for church. It's not written for Senate and community centers that use this. It's all church. And it's not, it's not a thick book, but it's helpful. It's a paperback, you know? Um, and so it's, it's pretty cheap, especially if you even get it downloaded. It's like eight bucks or something, but it's good to read. Secondly, I would say write, okay? First of all, write out an agenda, okay? Have some form of agenda. And secondly, uh, using those books, kind of write out what, motions look like and how and when you vote. I get a call every other week, at least sometimes more of churches that say, Hey, I'm going to do this business meeting. How do I handle this? And so I always say, well, get out a piece of paper because I'm going to give you some pointers. Okay. And so writing things down ahead of time. Um, listen, if you think that we have everything memorized up on that platform, you're crazy. I mean, we're, our, our heads are on a swivel. We're looking stuff up um, because things come up that we've never even dealt with. And so, but write things down. Don't be afraid to have an agenda. Don't be afraid to write, okay, this is what I do. This is how I have to do votes and just write yourself notes. And the third way, it's like any language you learn because it's a whole nother language is you got to practice. Um, Listen, when I was first learning this, believe it or not, I had three boys and I took them out on the back porch and I wanted them to act like bad church members. And, um, <laughs> and they would, hey, uh, if you need practice, we can send you to some churches, man. We got, right. we know some churches. Well, all I'm saying is I literally just like, Hey, listen, I, I never got to practice baptism in seminary. I had to use my wife in a pool, you know, and I know lots of guys that have done that. And yeah. so, there's something to be said for practice. And even if it's just you standing in front of a mirror, but practice saying those things so they don't seem so foreign to you. Um, and you don't have to use all 776 pages. And I have had to say more than once in a business meeting, folks, I got to look this up or I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to give you the, I'm not going to make up an answer. OK, hmm. I think this is the way we're going to do this because this makes the most common sense. And if you just come back to common sense, most of the time you'll be right in Roberts. Um, now, it, it's it's written as if he was not an attorney. He was a military guy. So he, you know, and but the people I'm convinced the people that have written were in the 12th edition. Now, um, some of them have to be lawyers because they talk like lawyers. And I get accused of being a lawyer, and I'm not. 
Um, so anyway, that's what I would say. Yeah. So here's a, here's a challenging question for some guys. Um, by default, or even by the church bylaws, as a pastor, they're either the moderator or they're constrained to not be the moderator. So what are your thoughts on the pastor serving okay. as a moderator? Should the pastor right. serve as a moderator? Should he all right. not? First of all, I, uh, for years, the, the, the belief was, if you want to control the meeting, be the moderator. But technically, the moderator cannot give any opinions. He, he has to just guide the discussion, but he can't give his opinion. So if a pastor wants to be able to speak into things, and you know whether it's the budget, whether it's hiring a staff, He's got to step aside as a moderator anyway. So my personal opinion now is if he can find a calm, trusting leader who he can trust, who is calm and get upset, I would make that person the moderator and I would change my documents. I, if I'm, I'm not a local church pastor now, I work for the Florida Baptist Convention, but if I went back to the pastor, the first thing I would do is find somebody in the church that I said, listen, I want you to be the moderator. So I want you to watch a couple of business meetings and then we're going to change our bylaws and you're going to become the moderator. So I can speak into things. Yeah. That's a good word. Last question before we shut it down today. Um, I, I appreciate early on you bring in Acts 19.32 and that idea. That's what we're trying to avoid if if a pastor is is trying his best to lead either as the moderator or the pastor and and it and it does kind of devolve into some chaos and uh he can't seem to rein it in with parliamentary procedure i mean is there a way to just i mean do you recommend shutting it down or or how would you do that what is your recommendation in that moment well the the moderator has a lot of freedom when it comes to he can he can call for recess you know or it would just mean you stop it till everybody cools off i i've had guys who i i've been on their speed dial and they didn't know what to do and so they called for recess and they stepped outside and called me i've done that more than once um that's the first thing you might tell them listen all right folks it's getting a little hectic in here let's all stand up we're going we're gonna to take a short recess. We're not even ended the meeting, but we don't want this to get out of hand, okay? And if it feels like it's getting out of hand, that's what either the pastor, the, the moderator can do. Um, and that would be the first step, okay? Now, te technically, to end the meeting, someone's got to call for that. You know, let's table all this and uh, end the meeting, and then they have to vote. So you can't, one person can't decide it's over because that would be a, a power play that you really wouldn't want because it works good if they're good guys like us, but all those rest of those guys, <laughs> it, it's, it's given them too much power. Mm. So. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to come on uh, with us here for the Replant Bootcamp. And I think this is going to be a really helpful episode for a lot of guys. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys, tune in next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.